Hello, my magical friends. My name's Ayumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 129th time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. There's a little bit of news and some things I've watched, and then we'll get to today's topic. So let's get started. As mentioned last week, I was on the most recent episode of Super Idols RPG, playing one of the competitors of the SingStar tournament, the Magical Idol Radiant Tiara. Well, I also got to participate in a special game of Super Idols for the Patreon feed that Aaron does, called Super Idols Blast Off, playing the magical school idol Cosmo Natalie. If you've got a few bucks to spare, I highly recommend subscribing to that Patreon feed because the first episode has dropped. It was a lot of fun playing both games and I've been very excited to see how people have reacted to the characters. (laughs) In other Magical Girl news, Brian Young announced on Instagram that Fate the Wing Saga would not be continuing on to a season 3. It felt like a sudden announcement, and subsequently, Wings creator Ingenio Strafi also updated on Instagram with a full explanation of the current state of the Wings franchise. In particular, he said that they are working on two other projects at the moment, first being a CGI Wings reboot season, and then a Wings movie as well. So, you know, everything is still going well uh, swimmingly in the Winx world. There have been some leaks here and there of the um, visuals for what's coming for Winx. So it will be interesting to see what happens with this reboot and so on. But yeah, I know that the Fate series was not necessarily well beloved by a lot of the Winx fandom, but it did have fans. So it is interesting to see how people have been reacting to the news. Finally, Magical Girl video game Magical Warrior Diamond Heart updated with an additional four episodes, so now you can play the demo up to episode 12. We have talked to Pion before, the creator, back in episode 60 of the podcast, and he was delightful, so you should definitely check out both the episode and also the game, as we now have more game to play. It's very exciting. Now let's move on to what I've been watching and reading. Um, Not much this week. As you know, there was no delicious party pre-care over the weekend. And there wasn't much to say about Resistar Top of Artists either, since that was a clip show episode. But it was really nice to see some cameos from the former girls' heroines. We get a little bit of kind of understanding of the, the overlap of these franchises, which is still kind of a mystery. And finally, I have finished the Sakura card arc of Card Capture Sakura. It was a lot shorter, of course, so it was easier to get through. But also, it was just a lovely watch, generally speaking. Um, you can hear me gush about the first arc on last week's episode. And I can't really say quite yet if I prefer one over the other. I think they're both very good. But yeah, I just really, really enjoyed a lot of the developments and the ways that a lot of the relationships evolved in the second arc. I did buy the comics a while back on a discount and I hope to read those and also of course watch Tsubasa Chronicle before I get back to the clear card arc. So with all of that, it's time for today's topic. (laughs) 
So we have a, another returning topic and another returning guest today, so I'm very excited about it. I am very excited that we are back in the world of Angel's Friends. So of course, we did talk about Angel's Friends a while back with Lapis, who was a lovely guest as well. And today we have returning Nicholas, who was on to talk about Cosmic Baton Girl Comet a while back. Both of those past episodes are very good, so please listen to them as well. <laughs> but yes, today we are talking about the second season of Angel's Friends, which takes a lot of uh, new turns and is really, really interesting. Just a lot of stuff going on plot-wise, all things considered. And also very famously ends with a kind of cliffhanger where it gives you some hints as to what could be of season three, but we still don't have a season three. But in any case, you know, I do think that it's very interesting and I hope you enjoy the episode. Some quick warnings before we jump into the topic, as was the case with the first season. This unfortunately contains a lot of fat phobia directed at the one fat character, which is unfortunate, but is kind of par for the course for the series. And also there is some racism and this also goes into our discussion. We do talk a tiny bit about what has happened since this season, in particular the live action adaptation attempt, which was a little cringe for uh, a number of reasons, but you'll hear about it shortly. <laughs> but yeah, with all of that, I do think that's everything I have to mention and warn for up here. So I hope you enjoy this chat about Angel's Friends Season 2 with Nicholas. So today we are here to come back to Angel's Friends with Season 2, released originally in 2014, and I'm very excited for our returning guest. Can you please introduce yourself? Hello everyone, my name is Nicholas, I am 26 years old, and of course I am a huge enthusiast of the magical girl genre. I'm a full-time professor, I teach Italian. By the way, I would like to clarify that uh, English is not my first language, but I'm going to do my best so that all of you can enjoy Ayumi's wonderful podcast. <laughs> I also enjoy drawing, illustrating. I'm very much into collecting. I'm also very big into musical theater and uh, many other things. Also, I would like to thank you, Ayumi, for having me once again, because uh, it's always nice talking to you. And uh, last time I had uh, so much fun. Uh, also, I think that what you do for the Magical Girl community is uh, amazing. And uh, we have been in need of someone like you in the community. So thank you very, very, very much. Wow, thank you. I did not expect to jump into this with like lots of being showered in compliments. Um, <laughs> thank you. Okay, <laughs> now I'm blushing. Yeah, and uh, what are your pronouns for anyone who doesn't know? Oh, right. Uh, I always forget this. My pronouns are <laughs> he, him, his. Great, yeah. Um, so yes, we're gonna jump into Angel's Friends today. I'm very excited to get back to it. But before we do that, what have you been enjoying in the genre since your last time on the podcast? 
Um, I have been watching quite a lot of things, um, but the worst part for me is that I have pretty much watched uh, everything Magical Girl related, so I'm kind of trying to catch up with those few titles that uh, I still haven't watched. So, of course, I'm uh, always watching everything that's airing right now, like uh, Delicious Party, Pretty Cure, which uh, I'm enjoying. Not like uh, a lot, but I still think it's great because I love Procure. I've been here since like 2005, so I'm not leaving anytime <laughs> soon. And also I've been really, really enjoying Primaggi. I think it's amazing mm. and I love it. And I, it's so full of drama and it's so colorful and <laughs> I'm having so much fun. Mm -hmm. If you're not watching Primaggi, please do this favor to yourself and watch it because <laughs> I adore Primaggi. It's very good, yes. Yes, thank you. Also, I've been on the hunt for like more obscure Magical Girl shows. Like, I'm trying to get in touch with uh, the Chinese Balala, Little Fairies. Mm. And uh, I watched some episodes of the latest season, which I think looks great. I love the designs. And uh, too bad there are no subs for it, because I would love to like watch the whole thing, because mm -hmm. it does look so good. Yeah, I know that there are some seasons that have like official subtitles on YouTube, but they don't have everything. And I believe it's Ocean Magic did get an English dub that was released in South Africa. I've been able to see some clips of that online, but I haven't been able to see like full episodes. So hopefully there will be a place for it somewhere <laughs> at some point. I hope so, because the show looks great. Like mm -hmm. you're doing something uh, really well. And uh, I love the designs and it seems like a cute show, but too bad I've only watched like uh, five or six episodes or mm -hmm. something. Also, I watched uh, the whole Kamikaze Kaito Jan, mm. which uh, I had read the manga when I was like in elementary school and I loved it. Too bad I can't say that for the anime. I did oh. not really enjoy it. I Interesting. Think. I haven't actually watched it yet. So it, was there like a major difference between the two? Yes, it's so different because uh, in the manga there is so much lore about uh, the angels and the devils and what happens. By the way, mm. very fitting for an Angels Friends episode to talk about <laughs> this. But yeah, they got, they got rid of all the lore and that was weird because the anime is quite boring. While the manga is uh, so full of suspense and events and stuff. And um, mm. yeah, I was expecting so much more from the anime. And to me personally, sadly, it did not deliver. Lever. Also, aside from Jeanne, I watched for the first time in my life the Sailor Moon live action, which, big confession, oh, yeah. it's the only Sailor Moon media, let's call it, the only Sailor Moon that I had never watched. And uh, I'm like, shame on you, because it was actually so <laughs> good. Like, I was obsessed. I watched it in a mm -hmm. heartbeat, and it is so good. It is so good. Very campy, of course. What do you think it was that stopped you from watching it before? I mean, I'm not really into Japanese tokusatsu and stuff, so that was stopping me a bit. Mm. But uh, I was like, uh, you are such a <laughs> magical girl enthusiast. You cannot not watch PGSM. So I, <laughs> it was kind of a mission for me. And I'm happy to say that... Uh, it did not feel like a mission at all because I was enjoying it a lot and it's so good. Mm -hmm. Have you watched it? Oh, uh, yes. And we did do an episode about it uh, a while back. Yeah. Oh, I have to catch up. 
Yeah. <laughs> nice, great. Mm-hmm. And currently, I'm watching the second season of Yuki Yuna. Yuki Yuna is a hero. Uh, I had watched the first season back in the day when it came out, but I never caught up with the prequel and the two sequels. So I'm doing it now. I'm doing it right now, and uh, I think it's great. I love it. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's all. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're you're one of us who like watches a lot of stuff all the time, so it makes sense. <laughs> but awesome. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so we're getting into Angel's Friends. So we did cover the first season a while back, but for anyone who is not caught up, Angel's Friends season 1 first debuted in Italy in 2009, adapted from the comic of the same name which began in 2007. And it stars a group of guardian angels in training, um, Raf, Urie, Dolce, and Miki, and a group of guardian devils, Sylphus, Kabiria, Kabale, and Gas, who uh, attend the Golden School to watch over teenagers and lead them to either the path of good or evil, depending, <laughs> as they train to be full-fledged guardians. Uh, meanwhile, in the first season, there's a mysterious being known as Reina stuck in this neutral realm who sends out her mysterious minion named Malakia to set up Ruff and Zulfus, who fall in love over the course of the season, thus breaking the sacrilege by making physical contact as angels and devils, which is like a very, very big deal, and even more so in the second season. And uh, yeah, this eventually leads to Reina breaking out of her kind of prison and trying to take over the universe, all that good stuff. Um, also, Ruff is actually... She finds out that she used to be a human and she was turned into an angel kind of out of pity because her mother was taken from her and her father is Malakia, who was the human for which Reina was an angel back in the day. <laughs> so a lot happens in the first season. And um, there was a movie that aired in, I believe it was 2011 originally, which takes place like shortly after the first season and i'm just gonna say it right now uh you don't have to watch this movie the only important thing to know about the movie is that they go to summer school and they learn about something called uh, the path to metamorphosis which is where an angel or devil or both if i guess you want to go together can uh, go down this really tumultuous uh, path and at the end will become human um, which becomes important in the plot of the second season which is where everyone goes back to school for the next year. So we're going to learn some more stuff. In particular, we have these things called spy bells, which ring whenever your human has some troubles. And we learn new things like uh, projection, which is where the angels and devils shrink down to the image that people think of when they think of these kinds of guardian devils and angels. And they can actually directly speak to their earthly one in that form. And um, there's also personification, which involves dressing like you're human in order to kind of live their life and all of that. So it's a lot of um, silliness and fun and so on. And we'll get to what the big plot is in a moment. But yeah, I guess, uh, what is your history with Angel's Friends? So um, my history with Angel's Friends goes all the way back because I was uh, here for all of it. I was around 11 or 12 years old when I first heard of Angel's Friends. And uh, I vividly remember that I was immediately hooked 
because like I saw the designs and I was like, oh my gosh, Magical Girls, this is for me. <laughs> I was like uh, patiently waiting for it to to finally air on TV, and it was an event. Like uh, you had to be there, but it was uh, if you were in Italy, and I was in Italy back then. It really was an event because like there was uh, so much uh, publicity for it. Like uh, they were selling uh, a lot of uh, stuff: dolls, goodies, books, uh, comic books, uh, even before the show started airing. So they managed to build uh, a lot of anticipation for the show. And I think it worked great because um, actually the show was doing very, very, very well in Italy. Like uh, every episode that aired was massive. Like people were watching it. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was really nice because uh, also I was uh, so young and uh, it made me feel like I was part of something big. Like, it was not as big as Wings Club was in Italy, but it definitely was uh, was a hit when it uh, dropped. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's very sweet to think about. So I was there and also I was the founder of the Italian Forum for Angels Friends. And um, it was a great experience because the forum grew a lot while the show was airing. Like, we had tons of people and users, and uh, it was so much fun because we were also crazy about the show. Like, uh, I remember that I would even write fan fiction for the show, mm -hmm. as many others would. And uh, yeah, I was so very into it. And uh, I still am, actually. I love it. <laughs> Yes, I do want to hear more about this uh, fan fiction, especially because I don't know what website I found when back in the day when I was I was in college when this show came out and I was studying Italian. And so as part of a language lab, I had to, you know, do stuff using the language I was studying um, at school, just freely able to do whatever as long as it's in the language. And so I remember, you know, watching other things in Italian as well. You know, uh, famously, I watched the first season of Precure in Italian uh, before I watched it in <laughs> Japanese. But um, I also watched No Mermaid Melody in Italian. And then I found Angel's Friends. And I just remember being so fascinated by the concept. And it was in easy enough uh, Italian for me to understand because I was still learning. But I remember um, just immediately thinking about like all the potential fan fiction and trying to find it. And I realized immediately, oh, there's no fan fiction for the show in English because it's not in English. And then I was trying to figure out what search terms can I use to find Italian fan fiction of this children's show. And so I remember finding a website that I don't know if I would say like the quality of the actual like web page was definitely a little juvenile, which makes sense for a kid's show. Definitely reminded me when I was, you know, that age. But um, yeah, I remember trying to read fan fiction and realizing, oh, this is written by children. <laughs> because it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was like almost always just fan fiction about Raph and Sulfus, and I didn't understand the point because they were already like in the show. Like you didn't need any more fiction about them. <laughs> I mean, I completely agree. But uh, people were obsessed with Raph and Sulfus. <laughs> I wasn't that much into the couple. Like, I wouldn't say I shipped them 
mostly because I'm 26, so that's kind of weird. <laughs> sure. But uh, yeah, no, my fan fiction wasn't about the two of them. It was like uh, just um, a new adventure for the whole team. And uh, knowing me, uh, of course, uh, I believe it was very much a uh, magical girl mm. inspired or like themed. Like I remember that I think I wrote like two seasons of this fan fiction. And <laughs> if I recall, correctly for the finale of the first season i like merged uh, rafurie and dolce into one angel and it was very much like the um, infinite silhouette in hard catch pretty cure ah. in the finale and yeah <laughs> i tried to do this whole magical girl thing but with angel's friends which already is a magical girl show but uh, i try to mm -hmm. to make it even more so sure sure that's very interesting and also kind of predicting something that happens in the second season so so the second season aired kind of in a weird way my understanding is like they were already at least working on it in 2012 which is when they were announcing that it would be released then later they delayed the announcement to 2013 and then in 2014 it came out but it came out in English and I believe also in Russian and maybe at least one other dub but to this day we still can't watch the second season of this Italian show in Italian which is really fascinating. So uh, what was your kind of uh, relationship to the second season in particular? Yes, the first time we got to see the second season was uh, in Russian, which is so weird for me. And mm -hmm. uh, I think the second dub that dropped was uh, the French dub. And that was even weirder to me because I'm like, why is Europe <laughs> airing this show? And why Italy isn't specifically? Like, this is an Italian show. Why are we not getting it? Mm. I just want everyone to know that if I ever go crazy this is gonna be the reason this is my <laughs> villain origin story i cannot believe that still to this day in 2022 we still haven't got the italian dub mm -hmm. i am so mad about it i am so bitter <laughs> about it because i love the show as you can tell and uh, i just think the italian dub for season one was so great it was amazing i loved the cast they all did a fantastic job and uh, let's be honest angel's friends it's not that great when it comes to animation and maybe even direction and stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, the Italian dub, I think, managed to elevate the, the show a lot because it was just so good and so well done. And uh, I think we deserved to have it, to have the second season also dubbed in Italian. <laughs> as far as I know, though, we can never be really sure the second season was actually dubbed in Italian, but for some weird reason, we just it just never got released. Mm. And uh, it, it's a very dark story. It's suspicious because <laughs> I remember that they were constantly announcing that, oh, yes, it's coming. It's going to be big. Like they even updated the official site mm. and we were also so hyped for it because um, we were like, oh, my God, it's finally coming because we've waited so long. And then... It just never aired just like that and uh, the story went on for years like the first announcement was for 2012 I think and then again 2013 and then again 2014 on another channel we wanted to air it on uh, Boeing 
Boeing is um, a channel that is specifically for cartoons. But yeah, it's 2022 and we we haven't seen the official Italian dub yet. And what's even weirder for me is the fact that uh, Mondo TV, the, the studio that produces the show, is actually very big into home video, like DVDs and Blu-rays. And like, if there is some sort of trouble with the channel, why not just uh, release the show on DVD or like mm. uh, on Blu-ray? Or even on YouTube at this point, because uh, I just really think it's uh, it's a pity that we haven't seen it in Italian yet, and I just really really want it. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I found it looks like someone tried to make a an Italian, I guess, yeah, an Italian petition uh, using Change.org to get this dub released. Um, this they wanted in Italian. Oh, I know that person. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I just like searched very quickly in Italian, like what if there's any like article or something to explain the reason and I found the petition immediately. So I think it's very funny that, well, there are at least a thousand other people that definitely want this. And I agree. I think it's really fascinating that it doesn't exist yet. Like I, I think it does, it must exist, especially because the way that the English dubbing is, it feels like the way that like the, the editing is and so on, like the English voice actors are trying their best for sure. but. The editing is sometimes really awkward as far as like the audio goes and stuff. And it definitely owes to them trying really hard to like match the mouth movements, which seems unnecessary and, and all of that. But yeah, I mean, look, we, we finally got the Tune Maker Sailor Moon this year. So I, I wouldn't lose hope. There might be a day where we get this and where we get... Um, I would really, really like to see the uh, <laughs> the Italian Miracle Dunes like original English audio. I, I want to know what that sounds like. So we'll we'll have to just keep hoping for this uh, lost media to show I up mean, somewhere. <laughs> we live in a timeline where we managed to get Saban Moon, and we still don't have the official dub for an Italian show. Like. <laughs> this is so sad to me. Also, I completely get what you are saying about the English dub because as they speak, I completely imagine in my head what the original dialogue is and uh, how the Italian voice actor is actually saying that line. So I'm 100% sure that this is one of the cases where the Italian dub is actually the first dub ever, ever made. Mm-hmm. But uh, we still don't know, sadly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just generally in animation, you're always going to animate to the voice that you record originally. So it would make sense that that would be the the one that was the original like target. <laughs> mm. So yeah, getting to the actual story of season two. So it's very fascinating. And there are other dubs out there. I think at least for the first season, there are a bunch of other dubs, but I think it's very interesting. So yes, for this one, we did watch the English one. And was this also your first time watching this season? Uh, Well, since I was such a hardcore fan, I would watch the season in Russian, which uh, I don't speak a word of, (laughs) but of course... uh, now I know what uh, Drusia Angelov means, I think, if I'm pronounced it correctly. Also, Shlatkaya, which means sweet, of course. Mm. So my my knowledge of Russian is very limited, and it's all thanks to Angel's friends. <laughs> but yeah, I did watch it back in the day, and when I say watch it, it was literally just watching it, mm-hmm. because I could not understand anything. 
Yeah. And then when the English dub finally dropped, I was like, ah, better than nothing, which is still very exciting for me, mm-hmm. but uh, I will never stop talking about the Italian dub. Yeah, so, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I might have watched season two, like, for sure, three times, mm. which isn't a lot for me, because <laughs> season one, I must have watched it in its entirety, like, ten times. Mm. For sure, 10 times. I was obsessed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For listeners who aren't aware of Angel's Friends, like these episodes are about like 13 minutes long and there are 52 episodes to a season. So it's not like a huge chunk of time, especially if you like take out the, the opening and ending stuff, but it's still a lot of season, <laughs> um, a lot of story. So You know, again, there is like this kind of episodic nature, like the general vibe of the show, but it is fairly narrative. So, you know, what we get pretty much right away is like in the movie, which turns out to be kind of important. And I ended up watching the movie like after I watched season two, just to figure out if I missed anything. Why did you did not like the movie? I love the movie. Oh, I think it was mostly the editing is very, very fast paced. Yeah. Mm. I get that. I see that. And so it was very difficult to watch. And I don't know if it's just because I watched it in English. Because at this point, my Italian is not good enough anymore to really watch it in Italian without like having to sit through and like really think about what everyone is saying. I watched the movie in English and it was so quick and the, the voices were so fast, like in terms of not like the actual way that they were speaking, but like in terms of the the kind of quickness of like getting between lines that there was really no time spent like actually absorbing what anyone had to say it was just very very fast-paced it felt like when like you put a podcast on like 1.5 speed or something it was just like whoa it just kept going and going but um the story itself was like fine i just think that it was like a production issue for me. yes i i cannot argue with this because it's definitely true <laughs> but i still think the movie is mm-hmm. so exciting to me because like a lot of stuff happens and it's like this um very fresh story like it's summer school and we get to see for the first time a bit of angie town we and uh, also a bit of match town and that's uh that was also very exciting also they use uh, prison fly which uh, to me is uh, it's amazing. And uh, yeah, no, I have to say that I love the movie. I love That's, it. No, I've seen it's it totally valid. Many, yeah, many times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I couldn't watch it all in a single day because it was just like kind of not giving me a headache literally, but like kind of. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I see that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so, you know, getting into the the main, the important thing about this, this movie is just the fact that like, Raph and Sylphus decided together like that they would one day take the path of metamorphosis together to become human so they could actually be together like legally is not the right word but yeah um <laughs> so uh going into the second season you know Raph is very excited that you know they're going to like end up together and like actually be kind of a couple this time around and they know that they can't like kiss or whatever or or, like they have to be very careful about interactions and so on because of the veto which is the like mystical law which prevents angels and devils from touching each other and uh, obstructing each other and so on you know like it seems like very exciting for her but almost immediately Sylphus is very rude to her and like won't actually interact with her and we the audience see the reason is because he is being blackmailed at the beginning of the series. 
there's a mysterious girl named simply Blue who um, has very dark blue hair. She's very goth and has like these very dark angel wings or they look like angel wings. I think the question of what she is is still something that remains to the end of the season. But in any case, like she is uh, involved with a blackmailing scheme with like this uh, angel and devil that we cannot see who have captured Anjali, who is um, Ruff's human mother who, by the way, is like hundreds of years old at this point, so she should not be alive, but whatever. <laughs> uh, but they're like, we'll, we will hurt her. We will hurt Raph's mother if you don't do what we say. So he being this like a silly teenager was like, okay, what do I have to do? So the first thing is like just pretending like you don't like Raph, and which is very awkward because they are taking care of the same human. And I guess I should point out that all of the humans that they take care of this season are new so even though like the the background characters are all the same like all of the the main humans are new so we have like new situations and and so on but yeah i guess what was your general impression of like the this beginning of the second season uh i loved it because i think uh, it was um, very fresh like there were many new elements many new additions to the cast uh it was a bit sad to not get to see the old um, humans anymore like andrea ginevra and stuff because uh, you know you kind of grow attached to them but mm. uh, it was also very exciting to see new characters uh, pop up i i, I love all of the new characters uh, and also we got to see new professors which was also very cool because <laughs> during season one we also had uh, two of them Arkan and uh, Timtel which by the way are uh, iconic but uh, in season two we get uh, new faces like Cassidy, Cabral, Omnia, uh, Gnosis and stuff and um, mm-hmm. It's it's very promising. Like you start the second season and you're like, oh wow, that's a lot of uh, new stuff. So it it uh, immediately hooked me up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's um it's really cool. Like really really interesting. We get like right away. Uh, Cassidy and Cabral are the new like headmasters of the school on the angel and devil side, and they're like. Sorry, you know, uh, there was some emergency business with Arkham and Temtel. They're not going to be around. Gas is devastated because he's like That's madly so in love funny. with Tempto. <laughs> it's like this really weird like like D plot that like he is in love with this teacher and it's never going to happen but everyone's just like fine with it. Which by the way I don't know if you know this but it is one of the few aspects of the original comic that they kept in the cartoon because like huh. uh, in the comic book maybe it's even funnier because uh, the all the characters are much younger. They're like uh, 10 right. or 11 years old. And Gus is like this uh, cute little kid uh, <laughs> who's like 10 years old and he has this huge crush on Professor Temsel and uh, it was so cute. Interesting. Very interesting. That's very card capture Sakura, I should say. <laughs> oh, no, um, no, don't, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the animated series, not the way it goes in the comic, but yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, yeah, like it's a funny little side thing, but it's interesting to know that it's also in the comic, which I do. I really want to read at some point because I know it's so different and 
I just really want to be able to make comparisons. <laughs> it's very different. It's like, it's very different and it's uh, actually very good. I love the art style, which is, uh, it has nothing to do with the cartoon characters. Aside maybe from Mickey, which is the one who kind of sort of looks like her comic book version in the cartoon. Mm -hmm. But what's very interesting to me is that actually in the comic book, uh, it wasn't really a story of uh, a forbidden love mm. between uh, Ruff and Sophus, because in the original comic book, Sophus is in love with uh, Ruff, even though he won't admit it, but Ruff isn't in love with Sophus. Actually, Ruff is in love with a human, yeah. which is so very interesting since we're getting into season two, because they tried to kind of bring this uh, element to season two. And uh, to me, that was maybe the most exciting part. Like, yeah, we know that uh, love between angels and devils is uh, sacrilege. It is sinful and stuff. But uh, it was about time to also answer the question of uh, what happens if an eternal falls in love with a human? Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm so very glad that they addressed that, especially because it was such an important aspect of the original comic book. Mm, yeah, that's really interesting to know. I kind of vaguely, I think I knew that a little bit about Raph. Again, I know like so much is different between <laughs> between the comic and the and this version. But so yeah, we get that with uh, Dolce or Sweet. We're, you know, sticking to the Italian names here. But if you're going to watch it in English, her name is Sweet. <laughs> Which makes sense because it's supposed to be a pun. Like when she first appears in season one, she's like, I'm sweet. And no, I'm like literally sweet. Like my name is sweet, but I'm sweet like ice cream and stuff. And uh, that was a cute, uh, <laughs> a cute scene. So it, I think her name changes in, in uh, every single dub. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's right. It makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. So like, she gets a new, you know, human, of course, and uh, her name is Lou. And her main thing, like the, the human plot for her is just like, she is in love with her best friend, um, Alessandro, who is clearly not interested in her, like as more than friends. And so like, there's this kind of constant back and forth of like, what is she going to do about it? Is she's going to like ruin his chances with the girl that he does like to try to get with him, etc. That's kind of the whole thing with her like her personal problems but also at the same time Dolce realizes that she is in love with Alessandro also like it's kind of interesting because it's like you know obviously they don't interact <laughs> right but like yeah she just like <laughs> clearly has like this little silly crush on him or whatever because we're talking about teenagers but it's just like very interesting to see like this kind of silly little thing play out and then when they do the uh, personification, they kind of start to feel the emotions of their terrestrials. And so that like strengthens her feelings for him, basically, which is like very fascinating because like they confirm that when um, Kabbalah also does that, that she also feels the same feelings that Lou does uh, for Alessandro. So it's an interesting kind of recurring plot thing. And, you know, that does continue on and does tie into what happens with Selfis because Selfis continues to get blackmailed. And just as he's, you know, getting tired of having to deal with um, pretending that he doesn't care about Raph anymore, he gets told com something completely different, which is to try to seduce Raph again and get her back on his side. <laughs> it's like really weird um, gaslighting stuff. And then he is told that he has to he has to try to seduce Dolce himself, which 
he refuses to do. And so that leads us to the very interesting plot of Clone Sulphus, <laughs> which is very fascinating. <laughs> Clone Sulphus with a huge purple s- a stroke of hair. <laughs> like, yes. why was that? <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's like a design choice to make sure that we, the audience, can see the difference between real Sulphus and the Clone Sulphus. So he has like this lavender streak, which no one comments on. It's just like totally no one notices oh, actually, anything's weird. I think they did comment on it. Really? Oh, like when he first appears. Exactly. He says something like, uh, do you like what I did with my hair or something uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> very sketchy? And uh, <laughs> I think Cabalet uh, is like, oh, yeah, I love it. Like something like that. Like I am thankful to the fact that they address it. But still, <laughs> it was so weird. Yeah, like, yeah. Why do you all of a sudden have purple hair? Right. And so like it's this thing where... Like, it's very clear to everyone that, like, Sulphus is acting kind of weird now. Like, he's not acting like his normal self, and he doesn't understand really basic things about how stuff works. Uh, meanwhile, the real Sulphus is locked away in a cage, and the only person he can talk to is Blue. And it's so interesting because then the plot becomes he has to seduce Blue to get a hold of the key to get himself out. Which I think <laughs> it's so cool because I actually love the way it happens because uh, I cannot believe that it was actually Ruff's mother to suggest this idea to him. <laughs> and it's so cool. Like when she said, Sophos, the heart is a weapon. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's very iconic to me. I'm like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go gaslight this, <laughs> this girl. It's very interesting. And also, yeah, that's when uh, we learn that like Anjali is a psychic, I guess. She's she at least can telepathically communicate, which is also one of Raph's abilities. Like for her, it manifests in Think Fly. But it is really interesting to see like that her mother was also very special. And that's why like Raph is special as well. But yeah, so like over the course of like a whole lot of stuff happening with Clone Sulphus and also him using Basilisk, his uh, mascot, to poison Dolce to like every time she sees Clone Sulphus, she sees Alessandro, which is like so weird. (laughs) And uh, this is also while like all the kids and therefore all the angels and devils are like going on a trip around, uh, what is it called? The Gorth? It's like <laughs> the fourth castle, yeah, I think yeah. so. Because in season one, we also had like the cave, yeah, yeah, the caves, but no, they were not related. I got confused, mm-hmm. sorry. <laughs> Basically, the plot for plot reasons, they get taken over there and the mm. trouble is caused there. It's like getting all the humans there as well. Because, um, also, there's a point before that where the angels and devils all like go on a trip around different parts of Europe, and it's very interesting. <laughs> They first went to mm-hmm. French, then to Turkey, if I recall correctly. They went to Istanbul, and then they went to Italy. Yeah. Which is kind of weird, because I am pretty <laughs> sure the show is supposed to be in Italy. But like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we did talk about this question from the first season, because, you know, we know that uh, Malakia supposedly lived in Paris, um, when he was being watched over by Raina when she was still an angel and all that, like back in the day. So his home should supposedly also be in Paris. And that mansion or whatever becomes the mystery house, which seems to be very close to the Golden School, which would imply that they are in France. <laughs> 
oh my god, I have never thought about this. Because, like, <laughs> yeah, all the flashbacks of Malakia and uh, Reina are all in Paris, but, like, the show is clearly set in Italy because, like, uh, everything is written in Italian and uh, mm-hmm. also the names are all Italian. But now that I think about it, Anjali has, like, a French-sounding name. While yeah. all the other characters, like um, Eduardo, Andrea, Alessandro, mm. etc., they all have uh, very common Italian names. So, yeah, mm-hmm, let's just mm-hmm. say cartoon logic, I guess. Yeah, and, um, you know, of course, you know, we've been using the Italian names, but they a lot of the names, especially for the humans, do get anglicized in the English dub. So, like, Eduardo is Edward and so on which can definitely be off-putting when you're first watching the English dub if you're used to it in Italian. But um, it's very interesting that they, they chose to do that. The weirdest part for me was that, like, for some reason, Ginevra became Jennifer, which is like, <laughs> it's kind of a big leap. But uh, mm-hmm. I see why they did that. Though mm-hmm. I think Ginevra is such a, such a great name. I love it. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that it's like kind of old fashioned for an English ear, if that makes sense. So I think that's why they went with that, like changing it to Jennifer. Mm. Yeah, it was funny because like, you know, looking up the names later, I was like, wait, I wonder what this one came from. And so like, seeing that um, Gloria in the English dub was uh, Georgia in Italian, I was like, whoa, that's a very different name. How what happened? So I'm sure the the kind of like, writer's room trying to come up with all of these uh choices was an interesting challenge (laughs) Mm. yeah also like uh, liu which uh, they call her uh, lily liu in the english dub Mm -hmm. but they always call her just lily but uh, liu is actually not so common in italian Mm. it's the name luigia which then they always cut it and Mm. they they call them liu yeah, I was wondering about that and because like she seems to me very Asian coded. So I was wondering if she was actually meant to be like ethnically Chinese or something like that. But it was kind of hard to tell. It was kind of hard to tell. Yeah, they certainly don't talk about it. Yeah, no, they don't. But uh, her skin is literally yellow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like why? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was that was an interesting choice. So yeah, getting back to the the plot, basically, we learned that the reason that the veto exists is because there is this literal scale in the literal temple of the veto, but no one, neither angel nor devil knows where it is. So the only way to be able to find it is something called like the the discordant sound from the heart of someone who is both terrestrial and eternal. And hey, Raph is one of those people who is technically both terrestrial and eternal because she is an angel, but she is also technically a terrestrial. Who would have thought? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Very suspicious. But um, yeah, so like we see that um, it's like clearly all of the plot is revolving around trying to mess with her heart specifically. And so... This plot is trying to get her to see Selfis kissing Sweet. Well, really just Selfis kissing anyone else. But in particular, they decided to go for for Dolce. But I'm not sure why. (laughs) 
I mean, I think she is just the easiest target, mm -hmm. isn't she? Because she's very close to Raph. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think it would be the same if Sulfus kissed uh, Kabale or Kabiria. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, they're devils, but... Uh, yeah, but, like, why her? Why not one of the other angels? Like, for example, her relationship with, like, Udie is much more stronger. So, like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's interesting. Sweet is uh, the easiest target because, you know, I she's a pink-coated character. Like, she's pink <laughs> and she's a bit dumb. And uh -huh, so, uh -huh. yeah, you know how it goes. <laughs> sure, sure to totally, yeah. <laughs> so it's just, like, very... Mm, it's interesting. It's an interesting choice. But, yeah, so finally, basically, the poison is such that, like, she hallucinates Alessandro, her crush, every time she sees... Sulfus, who is actually clone Sulfus, you know, eventually this finally leads to, you know, with this big party at the Golden School, they finally kiss and, you know, she doesn't know what's happening. So this does, in fact, cause Ruff to like feel this discordant sound in her heart or whatever, like that the heartbeat is, is all wrong and, and stuff. So, well, actually, the people who had kidnapped Anjali, uh, by this point, we know is actually Cassidy and Cabral. They've revealed that really early on, all things considered. But uh, yeah, they follow the path and they're able to find out where the Temple of Avito is from that. Because basically the sound goes through all known universes. And so they're able to use that, follow that sound to find it is the logic. But yeah. <laughs> This to me is, I think, the most uh, interesting part of the season because um, I love the fact that all the characters have um, these arcs that are unique to them, like uh, Raph is having trouble with Sophos and her mother, and then there is uh, Urie, which feels like a sidekick, and she's very... She's full of doubt all of a sudden of her relationship with Raph, and then there is uh, Dolce, who suddenly is in love with a human, and... Um, I love how all of these arcs actually then get uh, tied up together to form this very intricate story, actually, because, uh, for example, uh, Sweet's arc is very dependent of uh, Raph's arc and uh, vice versa, and uh, I think the writing is great because we get to a point where everything uh, comes together and it uh, clashes, and uh, I think uh, the build-up was uh, just phenomenal, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so interesting, like trying to figure out where the plot was going and everything. And in case you're wondering why Cassidy and, and Cabral are trying to break the veto, it's because they want to return to this eternal war between angels and devils. They were like fighting between each other, basically constantly one or the other was winning and it was going on for so long and the comet of destiny like went past them this was like a thousand years ago or whatever <laughs> and that led to them declaring this treaty and like now there's the veto and therefore they can't fight and honestly like them working so hard together to get to this like they should have just become romantically linked themselves because there was a lot of tension there <laughs> oh my god that would have been uh, kind of cute actually <laughs> if this show wasn't for such a young audience i i would say that was probably where it was going it was just a very interesting thing that i picked up there's like a lot of subtext there <laughs> mm, yeah i agree i mm -hmm. see that in any case, it does feel like the world's about to end. And so we're going to put this as our spoiler point because this is mid-season. 
And so uh, if you haven't watched this yet, you can do so very easily. All of Angel's Friends is incredibly free to watch on YouTube officially. Have fun. You watch it in your language of choice, except for Italian. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just ah. come back when, <laughs> when you finish season two, because a lot happens. And yeah, so... <laughs> also, uh, let's just say that the show is, to me, it has to be the most bingeable show out there because the episodes are so mm. short and it just keeps you fed, like, all the time. In every episode, something new happens and you just, you're just like, another one, another one, another one. And they're just so short, so it's very, very, very easy to binge. It's a lot of fun, in my opinion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely very entertaining. And since it's available in so many languages, it's also like a fun show to watch in different languages. I think, honestly, it's probably a good show for studying languages, not just because I watched it back in the day in Italian, but like because of the target audience being so interesting. And we should definitely talk about that later as well. Um, I think that it does make it a very um, accessible show. Uh, in in multiple languages, which is cool. It's good to have things like yes, that. Yes, it's great. Yeah. Actually, uh, I remember when my mother was uh, like uh, learning Spanish. She would watch the show in <laughs> Spanish, and I think she watched all of mm. it. So you're not the only one who did that. I very interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know, at the midway point here, we find out like it takes a little bit of time. It takes a few episodes for the angels and devils to kind of figure out what's going on they still don't know who's behind it and by this point like literally just as the kiss happens and everything sulfus has broken out and so he's just a little too late to stop it from happening and it gets really wild with like everyone <laughs> because like Raph is like uh sulfus you kissed my friend what are you doing here like get away and by the way clone sulfus just disappears after this we don't see him ever again which never gets explained and that to me is hilarious <laughs> oh uh, uh if i recall correctly he just like vanishes like we do see him vanish when the mm-hmm. discordant vibration happens i think we do see him. from what i remember he like left but he like it wasn't a sense of like him like knowing what happened to him basically because like it would be one thing if he like was no longer needed and got like killed off or something but like i don't remember seeing anything like that i'm gonna check it out yeah yeah <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to check later but it was just like really uh just a curious way to like just kind of push that aside right away because there's other plot to worry about also since blue got her heart broken by selfish now she's out to get him she's like i'm ready to kill this devil because he broke my heart and it's like girl what were you thinking it was like a weird situation to get seduced in but okay (laughs) blue i think is a very interesting character because first of all she she's like suddenly the third person in the relationship even though <laughs> Raph doesn't even know she exists yeah. but uh, Blue I think is a character that uh, once she appears she immediately sparks some um, some curiosity because the design mm-hmm. is uh, a bit uh, suspicious because she has these wings so you know that she is a magical being but her wings are not they don't look very much like angel wings and they also don't look like devil wings so mm-hmm. she must be somewhere in the middle but we'll get to that later <laughs> yeah one of the major mysteries of the show so mm-hmm. yeah so like 
you know, she's she's very curious and she has her own like kind of abilities. Like she can hypnotize people and she's she has like like some kind of interesting powers, but they're all they're very different from what we expect from angels and devils. So we know she's an eternal being and she also talks a lot uh, about how she's only working for Cassidy and Cumbral because she needs to make a deal with them to protect and save her people. And we don't know what that means. And so, you know, it's like intentionally very, <laughs> very vague. But yeah, so Raph has to deal with like trying to forgive Selfish and try to understand what happened. Meanwhile, Selfish is trying to like out everyone and, and everything. But of course, he's telling the authorities in charge, casting Cabral, that there was a conspiracy and they happen to be the ones behind the conspiracy and he doesn't know that. So they're able to cover everything up pretty well with Blue's help before he could actually show anyone what happened. So it takes a while for the others to actually believe him. But they do, and we get to some other human conflicts before the angels and devils actually work together, which, you know, happens a lot more often than you might expect. <laughs> and they realize the reason for the discordant vibration and everything, and they realize they need to find the Temple of the Veto. And the only other way to do that other than using that vibration is to use this map, which there are two pieces of. And there's one piece that is in uh, Match City that only angels can touch. And there's another one in Angie Town that only devils can touch. So we have this fun little arc where the devils have to disguise themselves as angels and the angels have to disguise themselves as devils. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think that's so great because one of the things I love about this show is that uh, there is never a dull moment. And uh, like we have these designs that are so interesting and so colorful. And uh, I really appreciate the fact that they spent so much time with all of these designs because uh, there are actually like so many. They always wear something different in every occasion. And um, it was very cool to see all the main cast dressed as uh, angels and devils and uh, vice versa, you know. That was very, very exciting. Also, I love the fact that the lore is expanding when it comes to Angie Town and uh, Zolfanello City or Match City in the English dub. And uh, yeah, it was very, very cute. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's also like just a classic like kind of fandom thing because like we get to see them, you know, obviously in their their default form, whether they're an angel or devil. And then we see them as like in all these interesting other designs as terrestrials whenever they have to disguise themselves. So it's like super fun to see like, okay, wait, what would they look like if they were the opposite, actually? So, you know, it's clear that they had a lot of fun with the designs and that's just like such a fun thing to do generally when you have these kinds of uh, characters. So yeah, it was really interesting. I was a little surprised that Kabiria was blonde. That was the only thing that kind of caught me off guard. That, that took some getting <laughs> used to. But the plot in general was really um, fascinating. And it was interesting to really get a full look at what these towns are like generally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. One thing that kind of confused me again because it's a kids show was the the kind of motorcycle challenge in Match City that Raph had to do, which like if she had lost, she would have become this other devil's slave. It was kind of weird. <laughs> which is very much open to interpretation. I, I mean, think. you say that, but like his girlfriend was like, hey, you have me. What is this about? And I'm like, excuse me, what is happening? <laughs> 
I mean, I often got the impression while watching the show that uh, do these people remember this is a kid's show? Because it sometimes it just feels like they just really want to do what they have in mind. And mm. uh, to be honest, uh, I kind of get that. Like, it definitely made the show fun for me to watch. And I think <laughs> I would have also loved it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I try to think about like how this would have read to me as a kid, like these kinds of comments and stuff, because it's like, it feels like a lot. I don't know. But in any case, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. in general, the the kind of adventures, and it takes quite a lot of time for them to go travel through and figure out what to do to get into the places that potentially have the map and so on. But they do get it. And it wraps up a little quickly once they kind of get to the place. And we don't even see them go back or any of that. But once they have the pieces, they can go. And um, Raph and Sulphus decide they're going to go alone together to face Cassidy and Cabral. They have reasons for it, but it still is like, why don't you let your friends hang out with you? Because like your friends also have powers that are useful and then all of your friends are together. You can do Prisma Fly, but whatever. <laughs> still, that's what they do. <laughs> I think they really wanted to make like this uh, ship uh, moment, romantic moment. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's getting interesting. And yeah, stuff. yeah. So... So they finally make it to the temple and there is, you know, a pretty interesting, impactful battle, but they still are too late because it has been destroyed after all. And um, Blue is there too. I think Blue finally gets her her key at the end of all that. But then the angels and devils have one more thing to do, which is try to figure out technically how they can stop this war from happening once the uh, Libra of the Vito has been destroyed. And uh, <laughs> also, this is yeah. the moment where finally Anjali wakes up, which mm-hmm. uh, I think it's great because uh, I th- this is the sort of thing that you expect to happen during the finale. And uh, I was quite surprised that she woke up uh, so soon. And she actually becomes a very important character during this uh, final arc. Yeah. Also, I love the scene where, like, after they fight at the Temple of the Vito, they come back and Sophos is carrying Raph heroically in his arms. And I just <laughs> know that if the scene had aired back then in Italy, the internet would have exploded. I just know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It was, like, very... They do really make it very romantic, and it's cute, for sure. <laughs> also, I mean, come on, the veto is uh, is gone. That's, that's major. That's so mm-hmm. interesting that they finally can touch each other. Like, hmm. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I think there's a lot of that, and, um, I mean... There's similar tensions between other angels and devils in the series, I'm just saying. So it's uh, <laughs> it's fun mm-hmm. to imagine. But yeah, so like they have to figure out how to handle this. And this also leads to them like literally going to the library, which happens a few times, right? The library situation is so interesting because the librarians are like these kind of twin looking characters like it's like basically the same design they look like they're supposed to be siblings once an angel and once a devil and um, they work very hard to try to find a solution and they find a a a technical solution for how they can stop the war is by challenging Cassidy and Cabral and so this brings back the arena from the first season where you would go through like these great challenges and so on so 
for this final arc, we have like this final series of battles where uh, instead of fighting Cassidy and Cabral directly, they are challenging the best of the angel and devil generals, which is really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What did you think of this uh, part? Uh, I think it was actually very, very, very interesting because it builds uh, so much momentum. Like you, they really make you feel that oh, we're heading towards the finale, and you know that uh, something big is coming. And also, uh, as I said before, I love the designs of the whole show, so it's always very exciting to see new angels and new devils. The character designs for the honor guards of Cassidy, the angel honor guards, are not so interesting in my opinion. <laughs> but the devil honor guards, oh my god, they look they look so cool, especially this uh, this lady which the snake hair, I think her name is. Uh, I don't remember her name sadly, but okay. <laughs> uh, I love the designs. And yeah, so yeah. She's was, got like a Medusa cool. thing going on too. So mm. that she definitely stands out for sure among the group. Yeah, it's like kind of an interesting mixed bag with the designs because they needed them to be like clearly tough or whatever, but they're kind of like random. <laughs> like, because you have like the volleyball twins, and I'm like, the, where are you the honor guard? Like, you just play volleyball? <laughs> I mean, sure, you turned your volleyball into metal, and that's kind of dangerous, but. It seems weird. I mean, they won. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. They did so... win, but still, it was like, huh? Okay. Yeah, those designs were boring. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, especially compared to the devil designs, which were much more cooler. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's like the matador one. That one felt a little lazy to me, but... The matador one, which, by the way, <laughs> his name is Miguel, which is like so stereotypically a Spanish name. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was so funny. It, was, it felt very first thought, for sure. Like, yes, okay, totally. come on, guys. <laughs> oh, by the way, that fight with uh, Uriel and uh, Miguel, oh, that was so cool. Because in that moment, Uriel, to me, becomes like the absolute girl boss, which is such a great moment for her because... Mm -hmm. um, in this season, she goes through this whole thing, go, oh, uh, I'm not the sidekick. I want to be something more than just uh, uh, Ralph's best friend. And mm -hmm. um, I think it was a great way of like uh, making her stand out because she's the first one to fight and she she's just great. She wins. She's the first one to fight and to win. And it was really nice to see her shine. And mm -hmm. also, I think she's just such a lovable character. It was very lovely to see her gain agency yeah definitely her her arc is very interesting considering she is literally a side character for Raf because you know Raf is the main character but like her whole thing is yeah she doesn't want to be number two all the time so that was really cool to see for sure because that was definitely her moment um and no one else's yeah <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah it was a an interesting um you know series of battles and the kind of final battle there has all the angels of the honor guard and all the devils of the honor guard fusing together, Steven Universe style, and just becoming these <laughs> giant monsters. It was it was kind of surprising and a little terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it kind of was, but I I think it was cool. I, mm -hmm. I liked it. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it's very interesting because, you know, like the idea of, of higher angels in Christian mythology is like all like non-humanoid kind of terrifying creatures and so on. And they never quite get there with angels friends, mm. but this is like the closest they get to like terrifying. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's, it's fun. It's very fun. <laughs> also, yeah. it is uh, sadly one of the few times we managed to see the prison fly during the second season of the show because actually, mm -hmm. I don't know why, but they didn't really use it like at all. They used it for mm -hmm. the first time uh, during the finale of season one. Then in the movie, mm -hmm. they use it quite a lot in the movie. That's why I love it. And um, in season two, they only use it when they battle for the first time at the... Uh, Coliseum in Rome, but it's like one or two minutes. And then mm -hmm. uh, Roth uses it when she explodes once again into an angelic star and she frees her mother and destroys the Libra and so on. And the third and last time we see it in season two is for the finale, which also doesn't last a lot. And that's weird to me because actually one of the... Um, when we were expecting the show to air in Italy, they had announced the new dolls and uh, there were prison flight dolls. So I'm like, wait, you made prison flight dolls and then you don't want <laughs> us to see the prison fly in the show? That's, mm -hmm. that's not very, that's not a smart move, commercially I mean, talking. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I could understand like the logic might be like this is their last resort move. And at this point, they hadn't planned for anything past prism fly i guess if that makes sense so it's like the it, it, it definitely has to be something that is used with caution for that reason because like if they use it all the time it might lose its meaning and you probably would expect like a further elevation by the finale yeah so yeah i can mm. understand the logic behind it but sure like it i was kind of hoping to see even more this season because that's what you would expect from most magical girl shows yeah especially since the designs look so good like they are <laughs> color-coded finally and yeah. uh, that was very exciting but mm -hmm. too bad we didn't get that much of it yeah but it was um yeah it was still a fun you know ending and finally they do have to take on Cassidy cabral directly and that's also an interesting battle <laughs> But they do win, so that works out for them. And yeah, I guess, I don't know. What did you think of the finale generally, like the, the very end of the end? Uh, if I have a complaint for the season, which uh, I have a few, but I still <laughs> love it to pieces, one of my complaints would be that uh, they spent a lot of time fighting with the honor guards while I think they shoot up like the final battle against Cassidy and Cabral that is what should have been the biggest part of the finale uh, in my opinion and mm -hmm. it wasn't it was like just uh, one episode and that was a bit weird so it makes the finale feel a bit rushed while mm -hmm. I think it should have um, they should have uh, took their time with it and they did not but I still think it was very iconic and very you know there was this air of uh, oh something serious is going down up here in the sky and uh, I love the scenery you know with all the clouds and the night sky and stuff and uh, all the guards and, are there and um, even uh, Arpen and Teptel arrive and um, yeah it was great I just wish it didn't feel as rushed as it mm -hmm. felt 
Yeah, the the pacing was very confusing for me because I think the same thing. Like I expected the um, the arena challenge to go by faster than what we saw. Like it could have been differently paced for sure. Um, but that's kind of almost expected for Angel's friends. <laughs> Maybe, but like we spent two whole episodes on uh, Urie fighting against Miguel, and then one episode with Ruff and Sophos fighting against Cassidy and Cabral. Ah, mm-hmm. could have been better. Also, Prison yeah. Fly. Why don't they have the Prison Fly? It's the finale. Give it to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was so weird, but. You know, it turns out that it's literally this love of Raph and Sulphus, which kind of saves the day, which was, you know, sweet and and all that. And um, yeah, then everything kind of goes back to normal, relatively speaking. And once again, um, we see that Raph and Sulphus are talking about their plans to uh, and they tell everyone this time around that like, oh, yeah, we would like to. Uh, work towards taking the path of metamorphosis and they you know they make it public so everyone knows and understands what's going on there so what's interesting is that even though they win against cassidy and cabral no one cares about restoring the veto and that's um, that's a question mark for me maybe they would have addressed it in season three but uh, no one cares mm. about it anymore and that's a bit weird because you know, in the scene where Raph and Sophos announced that, oh no, we are actually not going to be coming back for the third year. They are actually holding hands, which is very sweet. But mm-hmm. what's going to happen to the veto? Because it was such a big deal back then. Yeah, I, if I had to guess, like again, it probably could have been covered in season three had there been one. But what I kind of understand for it is like, the reason for the veto was the prevention of this war. And so mm. by defeating Cassie Cabral, they kind of like defeat the need for that war. And so that kind of like helps out with that situation. But yeah, it probably could have been covered had they had a third season, which we should also talk about because there is a very interesting final scene with Blue who has been gone all this time. <laughs> you do not um, understand my reaction when i first saw the last scene i was like <laughs> gagged i'm i was like no you just you cannot end the season with this and not make a third mm-hmm. one uh this is my yeah. second villain origin story yes <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean but this is this is obviously very common we see this all the time with other shows where they're pretty confident that there's going to be a continuation and so they put in this kind of scene and then we don't get anything for a while if ever (sighs) so yeah so for anyone who has not watched the last episode the last scene we see of season two is blue going through a familiar region that looks certainly like limbo from the first season and we see her holding the key that she received from casting cabral and going through and releasing someone who reveals herself to be Reina. And so from this, we can see that like, this is supposedly maybe her mother. It's not entirely clear. I mean, she does say that she is the princess of Limbo. So I guess Mm -hmm. uh, Reina, which her name means uh, queen in Spanish, Mm -hmm. I think. So yeah, there is definitely a connection there. And uh, oh my god, I think that's so exciting because 
Reina, I mean, come on, she is so iconic. First of all, she is the ultimate shipper of all time. Like, no one ships yes. Rob and Sofas as much as Reina did in season one. And yes. I just think she's <laughs> so iconic. She makes a great feeling. And the fact that they decided to end season two with her appearing once again, uh, it mm-hmm. just makes uh, a possible season three. I don't know, it would have been so iconic if uh, Reina would have been there once I would again. have definitely enjoyed it and watched it for sure. Um, but uh, alas, we don't have one. All we know about the kind of State of the Angels Friends franchise is um, there was a very weird attempt to make a live action series. <laughs> um, oh my god. Which... Yeah, you don't want to talk about that. And the literally black <laughs> sofas, like he is black, but like black like yeah, pitch yes. black his skin is like yeah they it was a blackface <laughs> thing i don't understand it's like that's all we got to see was that and i was like well i hope this is the reason why it never continued because why would they do that it was very embarrassing i mean that's just uh, italians being completely completely <laughs> unaware of what's happening in the world with racism but mm-hmm. thank God no one picked it up because uh, <laughs> I, I would not, <laughs> I would not have liked it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it just like it was so wild. But if Mondo did, ever decides to go back to Angel's Friends, I definitely would not mind. And yeah, I guess the mystery of Blue is is going to remain so forever. In any case, which is this hurts my soul. I hear you speak right now, <laughs> and my soul is hurting. You don't understand. <laughs> yeah so it's a fresh question for me but i also i could understand that the the mystery is just a constant thing and i've i've talked to other angels friends fans and heard similar things so yeah so that being said we do have to talk about how the show is problematic so i guess the the number one most obvious thing and this did come up in the first season as well is just the entire way that Gas is treated. So, you know, Gas being the token fat character in the series, his personality is that he loves food and can't stop thinking about it. And if that wasn't already weird enough, literally every time someone talks to him, they have to make a comment about the fact that he is fat. It is very exhausting. Like, it was kind of bad in season one. It's just atrocious in season two. I don't understand how this was okay, I guess. But for a franchise that would later go on to attempt blackface, I guess I could understand <laughs> that there were some other things that, like, just just generally just social unawareness. It's just very embarrassing gen- all around. And the first season does have, like, a consultant, what seems to be at least for the situations that the kids go through. And then there's some questionable stuff with the angels and devils in the first season. It seems like the second season doesn't have one, or at least I couldn't find any evidence of there being one. And I think that kind of also applies to like how wild the human situations are in the second season. Because like, sure, the kids are a little bit older than the first time around, but like they get into some really heavy stuff considering that the official target audience is kids 6 to 11. Granted, like, 11-year-olds, I could kind of see is touching upon some of these topics, but, like, especially with, like, the one girl who's holding is, like, trying to steal her crush from the girl that he actually likes and, and so on. And I guess the main thing to talk about is um, with uh, Raph and Sulfus's human, um, Daniele, who is uh, an interesting character because 
He is from a working class family. His father runs an auto repair shop. And they're clearly pretty low on money a lot. Like one of his first situations is him wanting to ask a girl out, but not having enough money to take her out. Because like she says, if you can afford to take me to this restaurant, we'll go. Otherwise, I'll go with your rival, which is like so weird. It works out because he's like honest about, you know, not having money. And she's like, okay, we'll just do something else. And it's fine. But uh, then we get to a later part of the story where he needs to make some money pretty quickly. And um, he knows that his father doesn't have a good relationship with his older brothers, who are now adults. But he does go to them anyway to ask for money. And it's like very clear that they are criminals. (laughs) They talk about how like they have a nice life and they don't really have a job um it's kind of weird and then when he asks for money they say they'll give it to him if he helps them to deliver something and it's a suspicious package that he's not allowed to ask about so i think it's pretty easy to interpret this as meaning like they wanted him to smuggle drugs somewhere or deliver a drug deal somewhere but yeah, uh, what did you think about this uh, this situation? <laughs> wow, this is uh, this is definitely a lot for uh, a show that's intended for small children. I mean, I am very glad that they did not mention what this parcel was. But yeah, it's very open to interpretation. But it has to be drugs. Also, the show being Italian and stuff for me, it's attracts uh, inspiration from the whole mafia thing and uh, it's pretty apparent that uh, something of the sort is going on. I mean, yeah, very problematic because uh, it's a kid's show, but uh, I mean, this kind of stuff does happen in Italy, sadly. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, of course, it's not like this stuff doesn't happen in places and unfortunately in certain situations, you know, a a lot of crime does come from a lack of you know resources in general so like I totally understand having a kid or teenager getting wrapped up in crime just because of his circumstance and stuff Mm. it just felt like very out there for a show for children with like this young a target so that was kind of the main thing that surprised me like if it was just for teenagers then I'd be like oh yeah no this is fine whatever like, this sounds like something that could happen on, like, a show I would have watched as a teenager. But for a show with a younger target audience, it's, like, very surprising, I think. Yeah. Yeah, very surprising. <laughs> but uh, also, um, yeah, that's definitely on the negative part. But uh, I would also love to talk about the fact that there is also some very positive representation about uh, extended families which uh, is kind of a tricky topic for Italians. And uh, I uh, I was very surprised that they picked it up. And uh, mm-hmm. I think they did a good job with this one because extended families are a reality in Italy as well. And uh, it was nice to see Catherine uh, live her life completely in, in the most normal way, uh, living as a child in an extended family. And that was, uh, I think that was very, very cute. Hmm. Yeah, as someone whose parents are divorced, I had like very mixed reactions to kind of the ways they were depicting her family, especially like the way they presented it, where it was like they visited her for the first time and like four parents talked to her and she 
for the whole show we don't know which of the parents are her like biological parents <laughs> but it's just like oh yeah she has uh, two fathers and two mothers because her parents are divorced and like that would be you know fine or whatever and we don't know like bloodline wise her relationship to her brother if like he's her half brother or whatever but like the way that it was depicted acted it sounded like they all like lived together or something it was just kind of confusing i guess oh yeah this is definitely true i mean yeah i definitely got the impression that they were all living together mm -hmm. that's a question mark who knows <laughs> like it's certainly possible it's pretty improbable like the only thing i can ever think of is like that happened in marmalade boy but that's fiction <laughs> and so i just like found it kind of confusing like i think it's always great to show families like this in kids media but i just found that it was like kind of unrealistic and so i felt that that was a little uh for me not problematic but definitely like Someone should have, like, kind of looked it over, maybe. Again, mm. consultants are really great assets. I don't know if they just didn't have consultants in the budget this season or something, but, you know, they, they could have, like, talked to someone about this particular topic or something. Yeah, there are certainly experts out there, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was very vague, but I'm so glad mm -hmm. we got to see an extended family, which uh, you don't see that often in kids' shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so it was like, I mean, generally a good, um, it's a fun series. Like, once you think about the target audience, a, a lot of these little things kind of seem a little strange to present to children. But generally speaking, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, definitely like just a wild ride. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think most of it is okay, but there are definitely some parts that are a bit weird. Especially, uh, I lost it when they were at the castle of Gorth, and the angels yes. were sympathizing with this king who had like six wives, and he locked them all up because he was very jealous, and the angels were... All of the angels were like, oh yeah, that was bad, but he did it because he loved them. And I'm like, no, no, you cannot sympathize with a man like this. What are you doing? That for me yeah. was probably the lowest point of season two. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, I was, that was... <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, that was really, really wild. I was so just flabbergasted by that plot point. Like, that was also... Like, I didn't understand why they were there, like, why they were, as far as I know, this is, like, not a real noble person that they were, like, referencing I mean, in I particular. I mean, I think it was clearly inspired by Henry VIII, because, like, you know, six oh, wives yeah, and for stuff, sure. so... But, like, he killed all his wives, like, one by one, and then married someone else. It's a little different. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. It's like, whoa. <laughs> Thankfully, oh they didn't go that far with Angel's friends. Still bad, though. Right, right. So it's like, if they're trying to kind of reference that, it's like, oh, no, he just like kept marrying different women and they were all married at the same time, question mark? It's really unclear what was going on there. But like, they bring back his ghost and stuff. And that was really wild. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, it was an absolutely just unnecessary kind of arc at all they could have gone literally anywhere else for this weird trip and i know right it's just 
I don't know. Um, was it was nuts. it was a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about regarding Angel's Friends or like the fandom or anything like that? Uh, nothing in particular. I just want to point out that uh, I really, really love the show. I think um, it has uh, so many aspects to it that are very valid and very beautiful. I think the writing, in my opinion, has to be the best part because uh, it's amazing to me how intricate the story gets at some point. Hmm. Even though they throw in so many elements because the, the lore is huge, and even though they have all of this, uh, the story has all of these aspects to it, it all ties it in and um, it makes this uh, beautiful story. And uh, the lore just keeps expanding and it's so vast and it keeps growing. And um, I, I love it. Also, I love the characters because I think they're very, they're very, they're quite realistic and um, they're very lovable like uh, i feel an affection towards most of the characters and um to me it's, it's one of the uh, definitely one of my favorite shows uh, out there <laughs> um who is your favorite character this is such a difficult question because uh, i think uh, every character is important like all the characters bring something different to the table but uh, I will say that uh, I really love Raph because I think she makes for a great protagonist. She's um, very different from the Japanese archetyped, uh, you know, the clumsy one, uh, uh, the funny one. Raph is much more, um, she, you know, she, she's the leader. And uh, I like that she's so determinate and uh, she has this uh, this aura to herself that really screams uh, leader also i would have to say that i adore dolce and uh, by the way dolce is uh, one of the, is a cartoon only character she wasn't in the uh, original yes, comic yes. book Yesterday night, I was uh, reading uh, some chapters from the comic book to get uh, ready for the podcast and stuff. And uh, I was like, oh my gosh, like I am really, really missing Dolce. Like, yes, the comic is great, <laughs> but uh, Dolce is not here. And like, I can feel that she is not here and I miss her. And uh, yeah, I think she was a great addition to, to the cast and uh, I'm glad they brought her in. Especially in season two, because uh, she has such an important role. And uh, she's she's so cute. I love her. Yeah, yeah. She's really, she's always been my favorite as well. So I totally understand why they created her for the series and everything. Especially mm -hmm. because the doll line was so important. And so you needed a pink one. <laughs> it's hard to imagine the series without her. So mm. it'll be very interesting when I, whenever I get around to the comic and, and all of that. And the books, I know there are also books. Oh, yeah, I have them right here, actually. There are many books. <laughs> there are two novels, like no pictures at all. And uh, I think uh, I read the first one back in the day, but I don't remember much. I just remember that it had a lot to do with uh, humans, especially with the... Um, with the relationship between Andrea and uh, Ginevra. The second book, I have not read it yet, but now that we talk about it, uh, I just might. But uh, <laughs> yes, I'll tell you more when I get to it. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So I think that's, that's everything we have to talk about with this wonderful show. So we're down to the last question, which is, 
What do you hope to see in the future of the magical girl genre? Angel's Friends season three. Now, give me <laughs> to it. I need it. Um, all jokes aside, yes, of course, I would love a third season, especially considering how season two ends. Also, I would love mm. for the Italian dub of season two to finally get released. But, you know, some wishful thinking being done right here. But mm -hmm. uh, in general, I have to say that I just hope to see even more Magical Girl content. Like, uh, give me more and I'll be happy. And uh, I mean, both on TV and on paper or even on the big screen, pretty much everywhere. I think the genre is uh, a genre that really is able to translate uh, in many ways uh, on paper, on TV and stuff, cartoons. And... I am really, really, really excited for Primagi season two that uh, has not been confirmed yet, which makes me a bit nervous, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's gonna happen. And uh, if I have to ask for one last thing, it would be for maybe better animation sometimes, because the thing with the Magical Girl shows is that... Um, they often are for kids, and uh, I think it's very unfair that when a product uh, meant for kids gets a bit overlooked and they don't really care about, uh, you know, great animation, which, okay, I get it, it's normal, not everything can have uh, great animation, it would be nice to, to see this genre flourish even more. Also, I was talking the other day with a friend, and... Uh, Regarding to Precure, the quality of the toys uh, hasn't been as great as it was once. And uh, I hope they, they manage to, to, to fix that. But that's maybe a bit personal because I'm a collector, so I very much care about the toys and stuff. Yeah, that's very fair. I think it's interesting because like, I understand what was going on this year with like the creation of the toys and stuff, they're a little simpler than usual, but it does feel a little disappointing, I guess. I've been seeing that reaction a lot from people uh, regarding like at least the weapons and so on. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens next year. Just crossing our fingers that sales improve for Delicious Party Precure. I hope so, because yeah. as far as I'm concerned, it's not doing great, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's still good, but not great. Yeah, it's it's hard to say because um, obviously a lot happened this year, but mm. so far it has been lower than, you know, same time last year. But at the same time, the movie had uh, made double the box office from the Tropical Rouge movie in the opening weekend. Oh my gosh, really? Already? Yeah, so um, not not wow. like uh, not more than Tropical Rouge made in total, but like uh, comparing but, yeah, opening weekends. Yeah, mm. it made double, which is really exciting. Yeah, I enjoyed it and I am planning hopefully to go watch it a second time if I can find time in my Ooh, schedule because nice. it was honestly my favorite Precure movie ever. <laughs> it was very good. Which one was your favorite before this one? So I haven't watched a lot of them yet. Mm -hmm. And I do have to say that there is an obvious bias for all the movies that I watched in the theater, which started mm -hmm. with the Star Twinkle Precure movie. And um, mm -hmm. I watched the Star Twinkle movie before I watched the series, and I enjoyed it a lot. So I think for a while that was my favorite. Like, I enjoy the other ones I have watched. I, I am 
definitely very far behind. I mean, intentionally so because I was saving them for like after I finished watching the TV series. But um, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see if anything tops it. But for me, I think that they did like everything right to appeal to as many people as possible while not reducing what makes Precure Precure. And um, yeah, giving it just a very entertaining story and everything. It just, it was very good. Sounds great, actually. I'm very hooked now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am hopeful for Precure that we're going to keep going and, and so on. I mean, next year is the 20th anniversary, so I I have every <laughs> right to expect something great. Yes, yes, I think so. Great. So with that, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Where can people find you and follow you online to talk about Angel's Friends and other magical girls? I am very vocal on Twitter about my love for magical girls, which is um, Nicholas underscore IK. It's Nicholas N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S underscore IK. And uh, I also use the same username on Instagram if you would like to connect. Also, thank you so very much for having me once again, <laughs> especially for this episode, because uh, as you can tell, I am uh, I love this show and mm-hmm. it was uh, so much fun. So thank you, Ayumi. Yes, of course. I'm curious, what has become of the website, the form that you had made for Angel's Friends back in the day? Oh, it's still there. I mean, no one is active on it, but uh, <laughs> the forum is still there and uh, all the content and all the conversations are there. So mm-hmm. if you want to, you can check them out, but it's all in Italian. Of course. Yes. But I would still, I would love to check it out just, just to see the piece of historical. Uh, I will link it to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's just a lot of teenagers talking about a show that's currently airing in 2009. So <laughs> it definitely is something um, worth seeing, mm. I believe. Yeah, it sounds good. <laughs> Great. So yeah, thank you again for coming on. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you so much. You too. Mm. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. If you like what we do here, please subscribe, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your friends about the show if you think they'd be interested. Those are the best free ways to keep the podcast going. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag SparklesideChats when talking about and sharing the podcast. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlIU, spelled A-Y-U, and you can find me at Ayushinos, A-Y-U-S-H-E-K-N-O-W-S. You can also email us at sparklesidechats at gmail.com. Let us know if there's a topic you want covered or a person you want to hear as a guest by filling out the form in the show notes. You can also join the Discord for this podcast to talk about magical girls 24-7, often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. Look for the link in the show notes. Those show notes can be found on your platform of choice 
or at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. If you can support the podcast financially, you can buy me a coffee at co-fee.com slash ayushinos. You can also commission me for art there or buy a print on my imprint page. With a Kofi monthly membership, you can get bonus content, announcements about episode topics, a Discord role, and your name read aloud on the podcast. Another way to support us one time is by buying something off the Amazon Japan wishlist. This helps with getting more access to Magical Girl content that we can discuss in future episodes. Feel free to purchase from the use section as we are not picky here. If for some reason you can't figure Amazon Japan out, no worries. Feel free to send the money for it via Kofi and let us know what you want us to buy. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at a few bruises. Thanks again for listening. And remember, you are magical. <laughs>